She's the queen of outsourcing and virtual assistance. She makes it rain and can take away your business pain. Her humor's dark. She sure can leave a mark. Miss Carla Singson. Yay. <laughs> Yay. We need a crowd to go wild to that, I think. They need to. They need to. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm going to fuck their dad, basically. Oh. <laughs> Starting out strong. I do remember you saying that to me. I'm like, I'm keeping you away from my dad. That's it. <laughs> Well, he just texted me right now, actually. It's a, it's a dick pic, so. <laughs> be kind to him. Be gentle. <laughs> well, Father's Day is coming up, so there's many dads to fuck out there. <laughs> Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. That's one of the first things you and I connected on, Colors. You have a wild and crazy sense of humor. Uh, you know how to you know how to say all the things, and I just love that. But for everyone who hasn't met you before, who the hell is Carla Singson? I grew up in the Philippines. I genuinely identify <laughs> as a Filipina. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's 2023. You have to say, what do you identify you do, as? Yeah. And that's why my hat say hashtag all leads matter. All leads matter. All leads matter. Call your damn lead. I had an ex- a lot of experience in journalism, traditional business. I have a flower shop and an events company. Still running in the Philippines. I have teams for that. I, I love being in that business. But in 2016, when I started traveling, I, it really opened my eyes. And it really made me realize how much I wanted to have an online business. Actually, trivia, the first city I went to outside of the Philippines was Sydney. Yeah, Australia was my, you know, um, broke my, uh, pop my cherry, pop my travel cherry. And, uh, also the first white guy who popped my cherry just kidding TMI oh. but yeah I was visiting my like then boyfriend in Sydney and and I was just I just reveled at how beautiful you know things were uh, at Sydney at the time and it inspired me to keep traveling and then I went to a conference in Phuket and then I went I just like, kept traveling the friends, the people that I met and the entrepreneurs that I met in these conferences, they own online businesses, and they asked my help to hire virtual assistants for them for the mere fact that I'm Filipina. Like they yeah. didn't know if I was a good recruiter or anything. They were just like, I need someone like you. You speak really good English. It was so funny. Like, can you find someone like you? You know what to ask them. And I'm like, cool, I'll help you out. And then I help enough people and until someone said, you should start charging for this. And also along the way, because I was charging money for it, I wanted to have the integrity of actually investing in my knowledge. So that's how I start, get, got started in outsourcing. We started, I started in recruitment, placement, and now six years later, um, I have a managed outsourcing company where we help business owners scale fast and easy by helping them perfect the role that they need for their business, manage the onboarding, manage the scorecards, and then provide ongoing monitoring. And I would proudly claim we, we have the best uh, benefits package in the industry. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And any like the name's Proximity? Mm-hmm. Proximity, yeah. Yeah, so my business name is Proximity Outsourcing. And the history behind this name actually is I used to own a PR agency and so proximity was a logo PR. It starts with a letter P and R. And 
when you invest in PR, it's like you have proximity to your audience. So I really like that name. That business was called Proximity Media. And then I kept using that name. And then we, we turned into Proximity Placements when we were doing just placements. And now it's Proximity Outsourcing. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool model. And I think it's an important thing to talk about is that there's a, there's a million people out there doing the VA stuff. See it on Facebook. There's a million marketers. There's a million of everyone. But in in virtual assistants and placing virtual assistants specifically, I see people talk about, oh, I can get you a, a VA for three dollars an hour, four dollars an hour. And I just think to myself, what well, what if you if if that's what the sort of talent you're going to bring on, what what results can you really expect when you when you're investing that little in someone? And that's what really stood out to me when you and I got to know each other over the past four or five years is that you heavily invest in your people you put a lot of training and development and then the benefits that you provide it, it really showed me that you stand out and sort of a leader in that field but i'd love you to share a bit more about that so uh for me it's like so there's two sides to it right there's one like business strategy side where it's kind of like how can i be different how can i differentiate myself from these va companies and I don't want to compete on price because then it's going to be a price war. And yeah. if we're going to compete on price, I would have to make some sacrifices somewhere. So I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And then, and then I, you know, and then I thought, well, I can compete on quality and marketing and the experience. And so I zeroed in on that. I do have an advantage because I grew up in the Philippines. I'm very familiar of the culture and what's really important to uh, these remote professionals, and then I'm able to hone that in and genuinely understand both sides of the coin. You know, I have a very Western idea of business, but I have a very Filipino idea of like taking care of people. And I thought this is my advantage. This is my unique advantage against these yeah. people who are starting businesses that have a different background. So there's that that business side. And the other side for me is like, what is something that I can create that makes me really proud? And um, one thing that makes me really proud is when my people are really, really grateful of the opportunities I give them to to a certain point that they would that they view me as part of their lives. So we have this one project manager that's been with us for four years. And she asked me to be the godmother of her child. And, yeah. and then I thought that was really beautiful. And it was, it was the, one of those moments where I realized like, wow, everything is like worth, everything I'm doing is worth doing. And so it's those yeah. moments that, that really made me believe that I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that's so cool. Sort of creating like a family where you're just going all in for each other. I absolutely love that. So. Yeah, but, but I do have, I, I have to make a little note about that word because when people come in my company, I tell them we're not a family, we're a team because you can't get rid of family. You're yeah. always going to be related to them. Uh, you have to believe you're a team because we build each other up and we contribute to each other. <laughs> that word family could be dangerous sometimes in business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially at a Christmas party. You got, um, I want to sort of focus a little bit more on um, some of the bad things you've seen in the industry and really provide some value. We have a lot of home improvement contractors, a lot of roofers, a lot of business owners. Like what are, what's some things that you could advise on 
getting the best out of out of a outsourcing finding the right sort of virtual assistant to help them and then what to look out for yeah so i would say the very first thing that you need to really be mindful about is being transparent and reasonable about your needs like of course i yeah. think you have to fix your business to a point where you really know what you need so i, I would say an example so a lot of business owners they they say we need leads <laughs> we need new leads we need new clients yeah. that's what we need and then you go into their business and you see they actually have enough leads. They're just not converting them properly. And so what's broken yeah. is their sales or they have sales, but they can't retain them or they can't onboard them properly because they're not onboarding them properly. The experience dive, you know, takes a dive and then it's a bad experience. And so they can't retain them or they, they won't even start something like that. So like be real, be honest about what you need. And take that time to sit with yourself and kind of do a surgery on your company. Because a lot of business owners think that I have a problem. Let me pay money to fix that. That's, uh, that's yeah. how we think sometimes because we're like, oh, I'm just going to pay money to fix it. Because that's the reason why I have a business. You pay, mo you pay money, throw money into the problem. But yeah. you could be throwing money into the wrong problems. You could be totally wasting your money. You or you could be totally taken advantage of for from people who will who will not have the best interest but have a really nice things to say, right? They're like suave salespeople. So um, that would be number one. Number two is take your time to get uh, to check out the options out there. I am not opposed to my leads or prospects getting on a second call with our sales team. Or if they have like, hey, I have a quick question because this wasn't clear to me. Or when they tell us that they're talking to like even, like three other people, like we love that because they're doing their due diligence, which means it's a good sign. Yeah. They're going to be more organized and uh, mindful about their investment. And it also shows to me that they are really committed in solving that problem. So they will work with us. Like the, the beginning part of uh, outsourcing onboarding is very done with you. It's very much a partnership. And we also would like to be able to point out to the client if there's something wrong on their side so that they're aware of it. Because they could be working with other contractors and they could be blind to some of these mistakes that they're doing. So that would be number two, take your time. And then number three is be practical on the ROI. So yeah. That's the thing. You pay money to solve a problem. What's it really worth to you? This is how you justify within yourself that you're going to have this investment. And then, and you have to accept that it is still a gamble. It is still a gamble. Yeah. And you still have to put your share in, in, in minimizing that risk. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to say not a hundred percent of our placements are perfect. But we do have systems in place to all, always improve. Like now we have a dedicated client success manager. Uh, we have sort of SOPs. We now have scorecards for everyone that get trapped. We've increased like our rate of coaching. So there's things you improve on, but there's also things that we really need the client's input. So, yeah, you know, work with your supplier and then... Be also be mindful of what they might need from you and be open to feedback. 
So that yeah. would be my top three. Number one is um, be reasonable and real and honest about what you need. Number two, take your time. Number three, work with your service provider. Yeah, I think that's great advice because if you're if you're of the belief that you you know you're you're busy, you're stuck in the weeds, and you think you can just spend some money, bring on some people, and they're going to fix all your problems without training in them, without giving them the time to learn the systems. A lot of people don't even have any good systems to follow. It's just not going to work. But on the flip side of that, have you seen a lot of success? Like, let's talk about some of the the roles that you've been able to fill and the wins that you've been able to help people have. Yes, I love that. So one of our best sellers right now are client success managers. And I really love placing this position because my own client success managers have been really a great investment because they actually help with sales. They help with client upgrades, which of course ties to revenue and profit for you without having to pay a salesperson. Of course, I recommend bonusing your CSM when they do that. But it also assures retention, which is a very important yeah. thing. Um, knowing that you have feedback, you have a pulse, how your clients feel, and your client feel that they have a best friend and an advocate in your company, that's what a client success manager is. Customer support is different, and I want to make this distinction Customer support is, where's my package? Where's my ticket? You charged me extra this month. What's happening? So that's customer support. Yeah. And that is very much, uh, it, it's more clerical. And it's more, we did something wrong or there's something that's unclear to you. So let me help you. Client success manager is people genuinely invested in the success of your client and in their desired outcome as the reason why they hired you. So Client success managers are people who are invested in the success of your clients and the desired outcome on why they hired you. So I really want to emphasize on that. So if you're looking to add 10, 15, maybe even more percent to your bottom line, hire a client success manager, get this client success manager, get the pulse, get feedback. There's so much magic a, a good CSM can do. You can even think of new products because of the feedback. You think of new upgrades and upsells, downsells because of the feedback that you get from your CSM. You can use them to get testimonials, referrals. We grew our affiliate network from client success managers before we, way before we hired an affiliate manager. So I would say that's my number one. And number two, um, I would say AI empowered VAs, AI empowered virtual assistants that can do a lot of research, data management, uh, executive assistant work. I love placing those two because they're so they're so much more productive now with AI, and um, they also give the business owner more peace of mind. So it has a direct benefit to the founder, and that's why I love working with these roles. I love that. Let's focus a little bit on on AI. Then I want to circle back to client success manager. It's the new thing. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to continue to grow and develop. Why would I? think I know the answer, but I want everyone to sort of hear, but why would someone not just use the AI themselves versus getting, having someone on who can really help guide them and, and shape what the, the info that they need? Yeah, I, I would say, first of all, AI is overwhelming, guys. Like, I'm sure Matt here is like a nerd yeah. about like what's new. And I am too. I have a marketing background. I, you know, love collecting marketing books, listening to marketing podcasts and uh, things like that. And I love being abreast of what's new. 
And AI, there's always something new coming. And unless you have someone invested in keeping themselves abreast with and testing what might be beneficial for your business and not, you might just be overwhelmed and you won't have time to do it and focus on grow- growing your business. So number one, time. Absolutely. Time. You don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, number two is like, it's hard to, you can't really ignore it. It's here. So you have to do it. But I, you also have to remember that the natural intelligence of people is still key. So you still, this is why you don't go with a too good to be true, $3 an hour, $5 an hour PAs, because um, you really need quality. And to be honest, I've been a copywriter for, for a while. I, I write copy only for my businesses. But before, when I was getting paid to write copy or do rev shares, I, I've never gotten so many inquiries to write copy again until AI came on. It's like people appreciate actual work not done by AI more now. Yeah. So that's why I said, like, let's go back to basics. Natural intelligence is always better. And a business owner's brain is always scattered. Or if they're a visionary, you're, the, the vision is hard to translate into strategy sometimes. So if you have a focused VA delete that, then it's an it's an advantage for sure. Yeah, you're on the money. I love I love AI. I love all the cool shit coming out every day. My the extent of my use of it has been typing a few questions into ChatGPT because there's there's a probably I don't know there'd be at least a dozen tools that we could probably implement into our business right now. But right, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna sign up? Who's gonna learn it? Who's gonna change the processes? that are already working and is it going to get a better result? Maybe it'll save some time. Maybe it won't because we've got to fix a, a lot of other things that break from it. So yeah, I, I definitely agree um, that for right now, it still needs a major human element to get it to blend and and then you actually have to implement. Is it, it, is, it isn't even a point of having it. I found it good to get some ideas and think about things a little bit differently. That's just my extent of it. I've seen people that have been able to get it to help like create good spreadsheets and load data and things like that i just i haven't got to that if it were me personally i'd need someone to do that work and and make it all work for me so that makes a lot of sense just on the csm role this is something that client success manager this is something that every home improvement contractor every roofer every business owner should have so this is a person who you know they could take a few different roles but essentially if if you just imagine how powerful it could be if you've got someone who's solely dedicated to your client's success from you know as soon as the the project starts or the work begins right through to the end and then ongoing customer support imagine how many five-star reviews you'll get imagine how much ongoing business you'll get from referrals family friends it is the number one thing that every business owner should be doing and probably the biggest hole I see in all the businesses we work with and consult for. So what makes what a makes good CSM, I guess? Oh, I love that question. Long-winded way of asking that question. No, I, I totally agree with you. It is a very overlooked role that can actually bring in the money, guys, and, and bring in the growth. And like I said, even if it makes 10 15% more, if you're making a million, two million a year, that's just, it just pays for itself and more. And you look like a badass. Yeah. And the ROI of every five star review is forever. Just think about that. Like, 
imagine if you have someone yeah. who's just dedicated in getting these reviews and and getting feedback and if their experience was not as good then they're going to turn the experience you have a chance to mend this relationship and every client could be is an infinite pyramid right of referrals so just think about that and i know this because i actually use csms in growing my outsourcing company from zero to a seven figure company in a year without ads and that was my secret csms it was it was all csms yeah i didn't have money for ads i didn't have an affiliate manager i was closing all of the sales but my calendar was all packed because the csms knew what my clients wanted and they they're always on the ball so what makes a good csm yeah the way we hire and select csms is we look for a high level of empathy um and good kind of a good conversational list in such a way that they know how to listen they answer exactly what you asked of them they're just like sharp they're really sharp and they're attentive to your needs and there's many ways to measure this i would say ask a lot of qualitative questions that help them or make them describe stories of of situations behavior and actions and impact so i actually learned this from one very very a, a very big tech company which i can't disclose but this is how they grade when they interview people especially client success managers they ask them qualitative questions and they describe number one situation describe your behavior and actions and number three describe the impact so when you're interviewing um look for these things and make them tell stories about previous client relations or even stories about their life and try to find people with high empathy people with um conscientiousness and it would also help if they're more extroverted i would say because a csm is kind of an outreach job and you have to love talking to people yeah yeah so someone like me someone like matt we make great csm but like for an introvert yeah it would not be that good they have to be a high empathy person they have to be a good conversationalist good listener uh they have to be genuinely curious that's another thing that we like and there's questions that make these traits come out if you ask more qualitative questions and take your time guys take your time when you're interviewing these people i'm literally like showing you our playbook here so uh this might be sh- shooting myself in the foot cuz now they don't need me <laughs> but um but yeah h- hire a csm according to how you feel you know they would be dealing with your clients these people are going to be representing you carrying your brand and sometimes they actually make or break a relationship so yeah. um even though i have an open door policy as a founder i do tell my csms that you guys are like the ambassadors of our company and then we have two very like we have our core values and we have two very important core values which is love and protect the customer and love and protect your teammates so you, you know I, i always remind them of that and then that's how we build it of course there are, there has to be the practical things like if you're dealing with an uh, english speaking market they should speak good english practicality wise if they have um neutral accent or an accent closer to who they will be talking to or the the market that they're serving that's also 
more uh, that's also favorable. And then ex past experience of working with companies in that country. If our client serves, for example, the American market, the CSMs that have worked for US-based companies would always shine better. It's because of standards and it's because of colloquial, you know, ability to handle colloquial and casual conversations, which is really, really important. We don't want our CSMs to be writing like the principal or yeah. to be writing, you know, in such a very formal way. I just done that. I, it's, it is great. You've uh, sort of pulled back the curtains on some of your secret process. But being real with you, roofers, home improvement guys, if you were going to steal her stuff or use that knowledge and do it, you probably would have already done it by now. Don't be silly. Get, get in an expert to help you find a CSM. A really cool way that I've seen it used with one of my buddy's companies, they actually have the CSM start calling and checking on the sales rep. So their sole purpose, like they'll make the call or text message or whatever, and their sole, sole intention is to is to find out what the person's experience was like with Johnny the salesman. Because what what the, what this guy identified was maybe the the salesperson's personality clashed with with the prospect. Maybe they were having a bad day that day. But long story short, it gives you another opportunity to firstly see how your business is actually performing versus what the person's saying to you. And secondly, it gives you a second chop at getting the sale across the line. The just that you know the, the feedback is typically the the prospect was having a bad day or they just they just didn't like the person for whatever reason but it gives you another chance another opportunity um so that that was one cool thing i thought everyone could be doing that would generate a shitload more revenue i love that and especially if like it's not expected for them to have this experience yes. like like roofers like uh people in the contractor industry can you just imagine if you have like a really nice lady just taking care of your clients and being obsessed with yeah. with their experience and almost like a high-end concierge and you're giving them that kind of experience? You'll just be like this white glove, five-star company that loves your clients. That's how it's positioned. And the, the wording that the guy has trained his team to use is pretty much what you just said that. Yeah, we're obsessed with our customer experience and we... And then what he had found is that, you know, he'd get feedback, oh, you know, we just forgot to move forward. He goes, no, 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 we can we can talk about the sale later. My sole intention of this call is to see how your experience was with Johnny the sales guy. So that's really cool. I, I love think, that. Uh, pretty good opportunity there. We're just dropping nuggets here for everyone. Yeah. And, and, and you know, um, let me share about this thing because I suffered from this too. I know as a business owner, it is scary to get feedback. Because as founders, our yeah. business is such a huge part of our ego. Uh, and let me be the first person yeah. to admit that. Every bad feedback still stings. And sometimes I think about it, even when I'm like doing other stuff. And it's just, ah, it's such a bad feeling. Like it, it's something that you wish would go away with drinking or drugs. <laughs> but it won't. It's there. And you have to fix it. That's the thing. It's like surgery, guys. It's yeah. like. It may hurt, but it's good for you when you fix it. So, yeah, having a CSM gives you that opportunity. I remember the first time we started asking for our clients to rate us and to give feedback. I'm like, oh, nah, we're not doing this. Stop this. Just avoided it, avoided it. Ended up going all in with it eventually. Um, yeah. You'd be surprised with what people say for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I've, I've noticed... Uh, 
with yourself is you've got multiple business. I've kind of coined it. You've got more businesses than Elon Musk now. Pretty badass baller. What what else have you got going? You're you're in business with some really big players, some very high end, influential, the godfather of advertising from memory. Love to hear more about what else you do. Yeah, so uh, I have a flower shop in the in the Philippines. Uh, I love that business. It's my oldest business, and we have grew we've grown it into a franchise. So there's different locations, but I'm not I don't own those other locations. But we did help them start, and uh, and there's a department of that which is another company technically called BA Gifts Philippines, which caters to people with teams in the Philippines and BA. If you want to send them gifts, we'll take care of it for you. Because we have, uh, we got a deal for in- insured shipping, insured nat- nationwide shipping. And we have gifts for different occasions like uh, baby showers, weddings, birthdays, Christmas, things like that. I have an event planning company that now we only do government projects, government contracts. It's just easier. Uh, it's very cookie cutter and contractual, so that's easy. And then, um, and then I have outsourcing. I, I do dabble in real estate. I have a few properties on Airbnb, but it's it's not really. I wouldn't cons- I wouldn't identify <laughs> as a, a real estate investor. Not really. I mean, it's you know what I learned about business is that you have to choose between two things when you're starting a business. Whether you decide it's your cash cow. And then you're going to invest in stable in passive income or stable investments like real estate and blue, blue chip stocks. Or you're building this business for an exit. And when you have that big payday and then you decide what to do with it. So a long time ago, yeah. I've decided my business is my cash cow and then I'll have boring investments. So yeah, I've started investing in real estate at 22. Now I'm 33. So I have a few... Um, properties going that are paying themselves and giving me a little bit of money every month so my goal is to get to 30 properties because that's what my mom said (laughs) um if you own 30 properties you'll retire very very happy (laughs) yeah and then i have my outsourcing company very nice awesome i'm sure that keeps you nice and busy what's um what's have you identified any other opportunities things that you want to go like look into further or you're pretty happy with I always have ideas and things I want to do. I have so many ideas. I have like I'm sitting at like 50 domains right now. <laughs> yeah. I have this joke which is like I keep domains like like you keep texting your ex that does that thing with his tongue. So <laughs> uh it's kind of a toxic relationship me and this domains with all of those ideas. Uh I have an idea for for all of those ideas. So I have quite an influence in the Philippines. I've built kind of a quite an influencer status over there. And I always engage yeah. with my audience. And, and that is a big part, I would say, of our success in outsourcing is because when we have really important hires and really important recruitment uh, activities, I just tap into my network. And a lot of people, they know me for, for being like a positive influence in the industry. And so they, they love working for they love working for my company. They love working with me and, and they, they dig that. And so I was actually thinking, and then I'm always going to these workshops, meeting people, having these discoveries, listening to podcasts. So I, I was actually thinking of starting like a paid newsletter for business owners in the Philippines who want to get access to these ideas. Each conference, I would write like my best learnings. Um, if I'm trying out a new thing or an exciting thing, 
um, or I've discovered something or if I have a business idea that I can't do myself, something like that. So that's my idea in mind. And then what else is new? And I, I'm open. I'm open. Right now, I'm open. I, when I quit my CEO role at that other outsourcing company and I retired my partnership, I realized that I'm not meant to be a CEO. I meant to be this crazy person yeah. in the company taking big, big, um, like risky shots or something like that. And this like moon shots. Uh, and I thrive in that environment. So I- I'm really open to opportunities, partnership, anything that will benefit my brand or a, a charity that I support. So that's kind of um, that's kind of my my New Year's resolution this year is to meet as many people as possible and learn as much as possible. Yeah, nice, love that. And have you got any speaking events or podcasts and things coming up? Things that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. I would love to invite everyone to catch me on my podcast. Uh, I need to get you on there, Matt, to to yeah talk about something unique. Well, we have tons to talk about. So my podcast is called None of Your Business. And it's a podcast for business owners, but we don't talk about business. So we don't talk about revenue optimization, lead generation, marketing. We don't talk about whether you should have a new partner. We don't talk about money. We talk about other things that are important to business owners like health, relationships, you know, leaving your hometown, traveling, fitness. So it's a it's a break from business podcasts called None of Your Business. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to getting on there and chopping it up with you that'll be a lot of fun yeah i think i have a few good angles in mind the crazier the better what's uh what's a question i should have asked you but didn't oh wow that's a good question (laughs) yeah i swapped it from a buddy it's like that peter Thiel question when he said was his favorite interview question was uh what is a truth that you believe in that most people would disagree with and i i love that question that's a good question yeah because it shows you someone's character and someone's conviction in something I guess I guess this is a, a great question. Um, maybe what is a an easily avoidable mistake that most people make in outsourcing? Maybe that. That is a great question. Yeah. What is an easily avoidable mistake? Because there's common mistakes, but um, but there are mistakes that people make, but they're easily avoidable. And I would say communicating as honestly as possible with your service provider sometimes when the salesperson is so good and so suave you don't want to talk over them or they are a little intimidating or they're not like they're trained to sell but they're not very high empathy people you get um strong armed into answering a certain way because these people are are motivated to get on their script and to keep you on their script and they're so skilled at this they do this all day guys so and even you and me, Matt, like sometimes we still get sold when we shouldn't have because they're a good salesperson and we appreciate the art, you know, <laughs> like I respect the hustle. Love the art. Yeah. Yeah. But don't be hesitant to be as honest and open as possible, even with your personal stuff. Like, oh, I'm planning to get pregnant. And so I really need an assistant and they have to be flexible. You have to trust your service provider and tell your service provider that you trust them to be to tell you what's reasonable and what's not, but you have to give them your wish list and then work yep. from there. That's the only way you get what you want. And that's the only way you can also get honest feedback from this person and how this person can look at you as a human being instead of just a number. Be sincere, be honest, of course, be yeah. nice, don't be cocky and like, I have the money. 
you want to close this deal? Of course, don't do that. But yeah, close me, bro. I can't close a closer. But uh, yeah, be sincere, be honest, be kind, and, and treat your salespeople or your service provider as a partner. That's what I would say. It's really easy to do. So that's the thing. I think that that should translate into not just VAs, any, anyone in life. If you can get that right, you're uh, on the right path to success. That's for sure. I love that. Uh, Ms. Carla, where can people find you? How can they connect? How can they get more information about all the cool things that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Facebook. It's Carla Singson. And just um, like my page or find my personal profile. Or find me on Instagram. It's Carla Stefan. Our website is Proximity Outsourcing. You can get connected and book a call with our team immediately there. If you have any questions about our service, you can also message our Facebook page, Proximity Outsourcing. Someone will answer you seven days a week. And if you decide to work with us or work together, mention uh, this podcast and I'll give you $300 off on your first month with us and uh beautiful yeah we're gonna fundraise for matt's ticket to mexico <laughs> so you can get a tan no i'm just kidding oh i'd get red yeah oh god you got a red you're a tomato but yeah mention this podcast it's a way of thanking you guys for supporting me supporting this podcast this is a wealth of knowledge and and i can't wait to work with all of you Carla, you've been fantastic. Thank you very much. We have enjoyed drinking from Skulls with you. Um, and that's a wrap. We'll see everyone on the next episode. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Bye.